It's Talking Football with Vince Tracy and Rob Daniels. So a very good day. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. It is the 13th of October. So uh, we go down to Playa San Juan after I've told you quickly that our weather today is much better. Yeah, it's a nice clear day. We've got um, bright sunshine, no wind. We've got rid of the rain. Things do look better. Uh, Rob, and how are you down at Playa San Juan? I'm fine, thanks, Vince. Um, I've been out already this morning, um, and it is nice and warm in the sun, isn't it? It's um, it's a beautiful day, actually. But um, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Vince, about the uh, Spanish people changing their wardrobe, wardrobes over, there was something that um, I couldn't remember at the time why it happens, but it, it happened over the last couple of days. Um, you'll know it was a, a national holiday yesterday. It was the uh, Dia de la Hispanidad. Yeah, which yeah, which is mainly um, parades of the uh, military and the Guardia Civil and and people like that. But often round here, it's quite a ropey day, and it was yesterday. And it's the day when it isn't a nice day when the uh, people in the houses change their wardrobes into winter wardrobes. Also on the ninth, which is the uh, Valencian Community Day. So um, this this morning, when you see people walking past, all the old gentlemen coming from the uh, residency just around the corner. Instead of wearing flat caps, which is uh, the sort of de rigor for the uh, summer, they're all wearing trilbies, and some of them have got new trilbies to wear for this winter as well. So, yeah, people are wearing their uh, winter clothes. It's just light jackets, though, and you don't need one. Well, I would imagine there's certainly the top-paid players in the uh, football world are getting their uh, new trilbies and new anything they want with the money that they earn, and uh, we'll go from... Uh, the tenth best on the list that I had was Marnay on three hundred and fifty thousand, who now has the same salary as Mo Salah. So basically, that's mm-hmm. what all that petulance was about at Liverpool. And uh, then we go right to the very top, where Marnay is not at Liverpool anymore, is he? No, no. Of course, he went off to um, was it into Milan? Bayern. Uh, Bayern, yeah. Um, so Killian... they, should, they should have got rid of they should have got rid of Salah to Bayern and uh, kept Marnay, to be honest. But uh, there you go. Well, th- that of course uh, we will discuss a little later. So I'm going to look at number one on the list is Killian Mbappe, who earns right after, who earns one point six million pounds per week. Now, we go through very, very, very quickly, just mentioning the money. Mm. Messi, 960,000. Haaland, 865,000, plus bonuses coming. Neymar, 606,000. Ronaldo, 515,000. De Bruyne, 400,000. And then Hazard... 380,000 at Madrid, David De Gea, 375,000 at Manchester United, uh, Salah and Marnie. And the thing for me is, you see, this is totally and utterly immoral. There is no other word that can describe that sort of money being paid to people who sometimes aren't even playing 90 minutes of football uh, in the week that they get that money. I uh, don't know how you feel, but I feel outraged when I see poverty in the world, when I see suffering in the world, when I see all the other things that gone on. Um, look, I don't begrudge them getting, I don't know, 5,000, 5,000 a week. But 1.6 million is obscene, totally. Rob, your oh, comments, it's, please. It's, it's, it's completely um, immoral, isn't it, Vince, really, by anybody's standards, I would say. Um I've got I've got a slightly list, a, a different list than you have, Vince. Um, slightly different, although um, most of them coincide somewhere along the line. I've got a list from uh, Forbes, the American um, the American uh, magazine. So all of my data is in US dollars as well. But it's they they're all massive figures, well, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, the, we, you know, the actual specifics are not important. It's the mm. fact that that money is being paid. So I'm not criticising the individual players in the slightest. 
What no. I am criticising is a a world in which a footballer can earn 1.6 million uh, uh, euros, I think it will be, with uh, Mbappe. Um, be, this list came out during the week, by the way. I can't remember the source, but uh, I know mm. I know that it was a bang up to date one, which is why I decided that I would like to at, at least let a bit of steam off on this. Um, yeah, well, I, I imagine you can look at lists. So they're all going to be fairly similar out there. Vince, I've got Mbappe at number at the top one, then Messi, then Cristiano, then Neymar Jr., then Salah, then. Um, Erling Haaland, yeah, so he's, he's all basically the same candidates. Okay, the, but the, uh, prince, the, prin- the usual suspect, shall we say. Yeah, but the principle is still the same. Definitely. You are, you are paying to a man to play football, you're paying him the equivalent of the minimum would be, say, running a good school for certainly more than a week. Um, running, running a health centre. When you talk about services that could be paid for, Vince, when it comes to medical services, education services, um, hunger in the countries throughout the world where there is still um, serious hunger, where people haven't got enough, they haven't got water, they haven't got taps or anything like that. Um, one of the things that Mane does, which is nice, actually, is he does send a lot back to his um, home village and he's actually, um, he's made it, He's, he's transformed it completely, really, and he's still in the process of building a hospital, I believe, at the moment. Um, but quite a lot of them, I don't think, um, do that. I mean, we, we can't we can't blame the player, as you say, but uh, Kylian Mbappe, he's 23 years old, plays for Paris Saint-Germain, and he's French. He's actually from Paris um, originally, and he plays for Paris Saint-Germain. They've got three at least in the top ten. Now, um, he's a national hero in uh, in France. He uh, scored um, in the World Cup final of uh, 2018. He was still only 18 years old. And uh, he's a good friend of Pelé, uh, the legend Pelé, because they're in the same club as each other. They're the only two players who've actually scored in a World Cup final as teenagers so far. Um, and he, he's, he's just a national hero in France. Yeah, um, but I the think principle... we, we mentioned in the recent elections that uh, Kylian Mbappe actually got eight votes, I think it was. So it's not really his fault. No, um, no, but the principle is what I'm discussing, not mm. the, not the player. And what I'm saying, I mean, you, you know, Marnie, of course, I knew about because he was a Liverpool player until yeah. this year. Uh, exemplary to do that with his money, but that is not the issue. The issue is that if you value a footballer to be worth more than various heads of states putting together their salary over a I, year. I don't, I don't think anybody else in um, a political world, at least, means I don't think even the President of the United States doesn't earn anywhere near that. No, in a, um, year, in a year, in a year, not a week. So Probably not, no. I mean, um, the, 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 there must be people who probably uh, basketball stars in the States and things like that, possibly other sports other major sports stars possibly earn that kind of money. But there are very, very few people in the world, actually, aren't there? I mean, um, who can even, well, can even imagine um, that, yeah, but that kind of money every single week. Rob, we're, we're, not really, we're not really hitting the point here. The point is the money is paid by the television services, not by the clubs. And okay, okay, we are led to believe that the club will probably have their part in sort of paying from the monies that come in through the till, but it's all uh, from the turnstiles, but it, it's all coming through Sky Television. Sky Television will come into play in our conversation a little later, but I would like you to bear in the back of your mind the point I just made. Those mm. salaries, which we both agree, so at least we do agree in principle mm. that the money is immoral, it, those salaries are paid via Sky Television. Okay. Well, um, when the, actually, if you look into the detail of this Forbes um, top 10 footballers, which I did briefly, although um, I didn't go into detail, it does actually go in um, in between the photographs of the players and things in the list. It does actually go into some of the workings of the economics of football. And um, the Paris Saint-Germain situation, do you know who owns Paris Saint-Germain? Yes, it's, um, it's, it's, it's you're Arabs. About, you're bound to have heard them because we've spoken about them before. Yeah, they're Arabs. I know that. 
Yeah, it's called Qatar Sports Investments. Okay, so Qatar Sports. Qatar just happens to be the World Cup. I mean, you can see the links clearly. And and when, when we go to another thing that... We will be discussing very shortly. Um, I think I want us to just please keep in mind that you've got the links with the Arab money. You've got the links with the Americans who basically are trying to take over the Premier League, whether people have spotted it yet. Totally, I don't I don't know. But all I do know is if you look at the influx of American money into the, um, the Premier League, you'll find that they're on the march. And very soon, uh, as I've said before, we'll be having adverts for donuts before every throw in and all ridiculous things like that. But would you just bear in the back of your mind, immoral money coming from various sources, but linked to American and Arab in particular money, and probably we will find somewhere in the mix Chinese betting. But you can't do these things without Sky TV. If you look at the matches, you find hoardings boards with Chinese adverts going round. How many people speak Chinese fluently? Not that many, I would suspect, who don't live in China um, or, who, or who don't have Chinese, Mandarin Chinese as their language. So there are... No, no but I actually uh, looked into this um, independently because I thought we might be speaking about it one day. And apparently people who do speak Chinese, a lot of these, and, and the Arab languages as well that you see uh, around this, uh, the uh, billboards, if you like, of the, around the edge of the pitch instead of um, local building companies and things as it used to be, um, apparently they are just advertising sort of um, commercial products. Uh, but we don't understand that because we can't understand anything that's written. But they, they aren't um, particularly well, yeah. sinister. They're just, they're just advertising no, things think, that are available to buy. No, I don't think they're sinister. But I think what is sinister is that nobody, apart from a, a Chinese reader, can actually understand what they're about. And oh, no, and it, it, must put, it must put the players off because these aren't just um, these are billboards these days. They aren't. Um, projected onto the side of the pitch, if you like. They're actually flashing on and off as the players are playing, aren't they? Yeah. And it must be very off-putting um, to have all of these sort of things, I don't know, just, just as, a, as, a, as a view, if you like, as you're playing on the pitch and all those pitches surrounded by flashing lights and, and that, things. And that blessed dog thing that runs up and down. OK, bear in the back of your mind that we've, mm. that we've got lots of foreign money which is basically infiltrating the game. Okay, I'm going to give you some bits and pieces and then we'll we'll come back to that point in a few minutes. So our listeners, please uh, stay tuned to that particular point. First of all, we'll have... Okay, so it's bits and pieces coming your way. And uh, just a couple of things linked in. VAR, once again, utterly ridiculous. You watch a football match, Liverpool versus Arsenal. We know it's the top of the league. We know that there's going to be controversy. What we don't know is that one minute you see a ball going in the penalty area hitting the arm of an Arsenal player and you don't get um, uh, an immediate penalty but VAR look at it and decide it didn't hit the arm. The rest of the world sees it hitting the arm but Mm. uh, VAR in a secret dark compartment somewhere miles away can see something that nobody else in the world can see. So the- yes, now this 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 Vince has happened several times in it in the Premier League uh, during the weekend, and the dif- there was different results. Um, the um, the Brentford against Newcastle. It was Brentford's goal actually against Newcastle that came from a very similar incident, but that was given to, to Brentford as a penalty. These are all to do with the new rules that they've just brought in about handball. Um, I listened to quite, it was Danny Murphy again, who you know is one of my uh, favourite pundits because I can understand what he's saying, basically. I don't agree with everything, but he does hit the nail on the back of the head when he's explaining rules and things. It's Nobody is really sure that they've just changed the handball rules. Um, and the 
the referees aren't sure how to play them either. But um, they're changing things like the offside, which makes it look like VAR often is wrong, which it, it is a lot of the time. But they change the rules halfway through a season from one match to another. And the rules that we've had in place since the beginning of the game, and all of a sudden, suddenly these are these subtle changes. Um, if you remember at the beginning of this season, Vince, any kind of, even if the man looked at it and thought it might be hitting his hand, it was a handball, yeah? Anything that went anywhere near the arm, any anywhere at all, was a handball. Now they've changed it so that if um, the ball ricochets from um, from a player onto the hand of a, a defending player, because it's usually a defending player who it ricochets onto, and his hand is considered to be in a natural position, and um, depending on the speed it gets hit, then it isn't classed as handball. Now, that is open to interpretation, Vince, and different um, referees interpret it in different ways. Players don't understand how it works either. Okay, and Rob, this, is a, this is halfway through a season, and it's, it's quite complex. Rob, um, I'm, I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose the, the point I want to make if I'm not careful. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Liverpool-Arsenal, crucial mm. game, a couple of minutes to go, and a dodgy penalty. It was so dodgy that when you actually slow the, the film down and look at it, nobody can really see any contact between Thiago and Gabriel Gabriel Jesus. And yet, funnily enough, VAR can find it. Uh, it's astonishing the way that they're getting away with either um, fiddling, stealing, cheating, or whatever you want to call it, but it's outrageous. And when you look that at the was, that was very, very dodgy, wasn't it, Vince? That there was there was contact, but it sh- it was it, at the best. It was a very, very soft foul. It, it definitely wasn't a penalty, was it? No, of course it wasn't. So okay. Uh, so on the the VAR decisions, uh, obviously there was then a big flare up. Then of course you've got now some uh, FA action being taken. Um, now you know, obviously it must be quite difficult. Uh, for the referees, and this is a part of the whole thing for me, when you've got so many people with different languages now, um, you know, mm-hmm. people from Brazil speaking Portuguese, others can speak Spanish, then there's the English, then there's Michael Oliver, who basically was referee in the game, uh, I would imagine understands very little of, of Spanish or Portuguese. Um, you know, but yet they, they'll come up with some sort of huge decision. Uh, but the whole point for me was it wasn't just our game. There were games, uh, as you say, all the way through the weekend. Uh, it's just s- certain things just do get you so cross now there was a French player in the um, I think he just dropped dead uh, when he was training or something in the French league um, I, I I caught that when I, when I was going through and I was thinking we didn't we, we never heard of these things before um, I mean did, did you guess anything on that particular one or, or have you seen anything yourself that's taken your eye um, I didn't catch that one Vince actually but um, there was a 24-year-old midfielder from um, from Brighton, a uh, lad called uh, Enoch Mwabetu, who um, he went to his international call-up with Zambia, his, uh, from Zambia originally, and he, in the um, medical for his international call-up match, they detected a, a heart murmur. Anyway, he didn't play that match, and when he got back to uh, the UK, um, Brighton gave him a full medical checkup, and apparently he's got uh, they call it a congenital heart mer- uh, heart defect. And what it means is he's going to have to have to hang up his boots at the age of twenty four. I'm afraid because it, it well, um, hopefully it won't be serious for him, but he can't carry on playing football at that level. Let's put it that way. Um, so that must be absolutely he must be distraught about that, and um, of course his family as well because. He's going to get good treatment without a shadow of a doubt. But yes, it does seem to be um, they're, they're pushing themselves to such limits, aren't they, these days? Well, so, it, could, um, it could, wouldn't have had anything to do with any uh, anything else. 
I mean, don't, don't forget, there has been all sorts going on in this last couple of years, um, but, mm-hmm. but, but suddenly that's never become relevant to the number of people, especially top-class athletes, who are having cardiovascular problems and things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I won't stay on that yeah, one. Some, 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 something that um, I've been thinking about over the last few days, actually, since, uh, well, this, since I found out about this lad, uh, Muweppo, is we often talk now um, about the effects of uh, heading the ball on uh, Alzheimer's disease, don't we? Yeah. Because the players that we are talking about um, are generally now elderly players. In another 15 or 20 years' time, Vince, it'd be very interesting to uh, find out what the uh, if they start studying these players who are now in their late 30s who go into their 40s and punish their bodies uh, in such a way because they're at the top of their game now but when they actually stop playing, um, we'll, we'll just have to hope this doesn't happen. But, I mean, um, it, it might not have a good effect on the uh, rest of their um, lives, if you like. But I know that marathon runners and people that that kind of certain athletes um, do have a lower life expectancy because of the amount of pressure that they put on their hearts. But it will be interesting to see when we've got Cristiano now at uh, 37 years old. He is mega fit. He, he trains. He has done for the last since he was a teenager, hasn't he, basically, or since he was a child, probably. Hopefully nothing will happen to Cristiano, but is it normal for a man of 37 years old to be performing at that high level? I don't think that's ever been done. The certain individual players, Sir Stanley Matthews, of course, was a one-off, but I don't think there have been that many people, players, in the same time period, who've actually been playing at that age anymore, Vince. Right. Look, uh, I'm really sorry that we've got to uh, quickly switch again, but I want to get back to our original point about this money and about mm-hmm. the. Um, so there was a, a documentary on Sky TV, and the documentary, I don't know whether or not you actually saw it, uh, but certainly it was on on Sunday night, and it was about. Um, well, in fact, on the uh, headline on the uh, 90 Minutes. Uh, Sky Sports Premier Football's toughest opponent, climate change. Now, that was the documentary. And uh, you, I know, have taken issue of the Richard Littlejohn article, which is talking about the the hypocrisy of the climate change. Um, Because, quite frankly, um, we see this, I think, quite differently. Um, Richard Littlejohn obviously was getting into a football frame of mind. Yes, he was thinking that uh, the challenge would not be climate change. Who the heck would think that one up? Uh, It's somebody that wants to interfere with football. Because if you think back over the last year, I've been trying to make the case to you that something is happening in the world of football. I feel that they're trying to take away the power of football. I think they tried to do this initially by trying to promote women's football as well, uh, so that you've got less uh, time, you've got more um, chance of seeing ladies' games. For example, I watched uh, the Lionesses roaring, were more like whimpering against um, uh, their opponents the other night with a nil-nil draw. wasn't really... Uh, you know, I mean, it was about, about the standard of about a League One game. But going back to the article, so um, this Richard Littlejohn, who I know has been contentious in the past, but he gets you in the frame of mind thinking it might be about, um, you know, the challenge might be about getting people not to tackle so viciously. And he brought out people like um, uh, Norman Hunter, Dave McKay, uh, Chopper Harris, Roy Keane and that terrible tackle on Erling Haaland. So he gave you the flavour. Yeah, that... on, on, on Erling Haaland's dad, yes. Yeah. And then <laughs> they, you... they were on. The, they were. They were in about. Uh... In the Manchester Derby, they were in about uh, yeah, you, you 10 bring... yards of each other. <laughs> OK, then then you've got uh, Duncan Ferguson headbutting. So there was an element in football which basically should be uh, challenged, which is the fact that it was very vicious at times. But the point that Little John makes, which I don't think really we were talking in, along the same lines at, at the time we spoke, is... Um, Sky Sports is now the official broadcast partner of Black Lives Matter. 
and it jumps on every passing woke bandwagon, uh, which I think is is worth talking about. I think that we have to look at the fact that the Premier League still want to take the, lead, the knee. Look, let's be honest about football players. Any football players go back 10 years and they weren't really the brightest in the bunch. So there are certain other things that he brought out of his article. Um, you know, that uh, apparently um, there's been this apocalyptic warning that um, uh, the quarter of the grounds in England's top four divisions were in danger of being underwater by 2050. Now, you see, this particular example that they give um, uh, in the particular uh, Sky um, documentary was from the banks of the River Wharf in North Yorkshire, from Tadcaster Albion. Uh, so, obviously, mm. they go and look for the problem. They go and look out what they can... Partic- I mean, um, my immediate thought would have been probably Carlisle United. But, I mean, that was not quite the same thing. But, it's, I mean, it's still part and parcel of what this guy is trying to point out. And yeah, Tadcaster always gets flooded, Vince. I mean, um, it's in between uh, York and Leeds, so it is in my part of the world, if you like. And uh, it's notorious; it gets it gets flooded every time there's a couple of raindrops. Not just the football pitch, but the whole town. Yeah, it's, it's, it's well known for it. I mean, um, well, that's my point as well. They're pointing out well-known facts, but mm. make, making it become a totally different argument. They're talking about. The game and, uh, you know, this climate change and they're so worried about everybody, uh, yet they take the game to Qatar for the World Cup. And that's where he points to the hypocrisy. And he's right. And he also points out that most Premier League sides fly to away games, uh, which, again, he's right. There are things that are really very, very strange. And if you're going to pay all this money to these guys and let them buy their gas-guzzling cars, then obviously that again comes out. Um, But the uh, thing that again became very interesting was when he was talking about the statistics that they were given out on this documentary. The presenter was claiming that the amount of clothing bought in Britain in a single month was the equivalent of a plane flying non-stop around the world 900 times. Uh, This is uh, obviously to do with Dale Vince, this guy who uh, is trying to push his eco stuff down at Forest Green Rovers in League One. Um, You know, there are many things that he said in that article which are worthy of consideration. There is hypocrisy everywhere. And quite honestly, um, when he talks about a Danish footballer, according to this particular thing, uh, where's the number two in recognition of Paris's uh, the accord target of limiting the rise in global temperatures uh, or was it emissions uh, to a maximum two degrees? And then he goes on to say the funniest of the bunch was Southampton manager Ralph Hassenhut, who stressed that education was the key. And he asked his players to guess how many rotations of a windmill it would take to fully charge the electric car. You see, there are some rather strange things happening, Rob. My point is that if you're going to start trying to tell me that the biggest challenge in football is um, climate change, I don't go along with that one, but I see it as a little whimper that will start other things happening. Okay, now you don't like the writer. Tell us, tell the listeners why you don't like the writer because I know he has done some rather dodgy stuff in the past and he does like to be controversial, but this we have talked about. That's why I wanted to discuss it. Any thoughts? Or what are you? Well, thoughts? Vince, um, yes, um, in general, I, d- I don't particularly like um, this Richard Little John. Um, because of a lot of his views, to be honest. Um, he writes for the Daily Mail, he writes to two articles a week. And, um, but that's nothing to do with the... That's nothing to do with that. That is information oh, which no, is this, true. This, this article, actually, I thought was... Uh, it was a humorous um, article um, by his... From his point of view, at least, because he was criticising this television programme, a documentary they made, for Sky TV which was actually titled, I think, uh, Football and Climate Change, Football's Greatest um, 
well, greatest challenge or something, wasn't it? And these days they'll make they'll make television programmes about anything at all, Vince, won't they? Because they've got airtime to fill. But um, the way that he went through it, obviously he watched it and he was taking apart the uh, various different things they put into this uh, television programme. But the article that he wrote was, uh, if you like, along humorous lines. Um, it was like a lampoon of the documentary, which um, I actually found quite amusing uh, when I read it. But... Um, Yes, he, he, he can be a very controversial writer and because he's got very strong opinions and a lot of his opinions are not particularly what I agree with. Well, that's not, um, that's not a bad thing. I mean, it's like... When, no, no, when... You've, got, you've, got, you've, got to have, you've got to have people with different opinions. Look, let me just, let, let I actually me... thought this article was quite humorous. Well, let me just say, it, it, it's not humorous. It's very, very devious what he's actually highlighting, and if you don't see the if you don't see the connection between the English league taking the knee and the fact that Sky has been taken over by Comcast, then we're not mm. we're not talking about things that really are trivial, you know. Yes, they, now that that taking the knee, I noticed actually. I don't. I didn't think about it really particularly but i noticed on at match of the day at least that at least in a couple of matches the teams were taking the knee before the kickoff weren't they again i don't know why that is is that to do with this um no they'd chosen they'd chosen a couple of times during uh, the uh, year to do this um but the point is it's a political gesture mm. It's a yeah. political gesture and if you want to know the root of it look for sky sports um, sponsorship of what's going on. Sky Sports mm -hmm. are now part of the whole thing. And, you know, I, I used to love, and I still do uh, enjoy watching many things on, on Sky, but now that I see that they've been bought by Comcast and I see that this um, basically going on about the no room for racism all the time, Britain didn't have as much racism, I don't think, as maybe the American market did. And it's being overplayed because they get away with it here. Um, you know, unfortunately, for some reason, the British public is now far more woke, it would appear, than the American market and the American audience. It's the English-speaking world, isn't it, Vince? I, uh, I think, in general, seems to be obsessed with them. With all this kind of thing these days, certain people are obsessed with it anyway, aren't they? Rob, um, well, one of the things that I thought was quite humorous that he said was um, in this article, and I can see where he's coming from, is that before long, um, all of these uh, footballers, they'll have to, um, they'll be weighed down by all the medals that they're wearing um, because of things that happen before the match. They, before you actually get a football match these days, Vince, they have to go through. Obviously, if somebody um, important has died, like the Queen, you can you can respect that. Or if a, a certain person who was involved in a club for a long time has passed away, and various things, you can imagine them having a, a minute silence. But they have to go through basically a ceremony, don't they? Um, before they actually kick a ball these days, um, taking the knee, then they've got to uh, swear allegiance to this LGBT plus people and all that kind of thing and it is where's the football match involved the yeah. football is like where when did the football actually start we didn't we never used to have this sort of politics and that's my point look mm. if anybody is racist if anybody wants to to look down on anybody with disability if anybody wants to you know take make fun of people who have got transgender problems and issues then you know my heart is hardened against people that take those type of things and trivialize them but uh, we are being politicised, and that makes me annoyed as well. We we'll go to your La Liga next, so stand by. Let's get your jingle on the go. Okay. La Liga roundup with Rob Daniels. Something I said earlier, by the way, Rob, just before we do that, um, is basically, uh, yes, I made the comment about the girls' game wasn't as good as the um, the, the men's game. Uh, I think that the standard is still around probably Division 1, but uh, they have got years to improve and they will improve and some of the girls are excellent. So if anybody felt I was uh, knocking the female game, I watch them because I like, I like to watch them, but I still know the difference between a top game and other games let's go to your La Liga what's been going on hmm. 
Robbie, you're the, you still there? Yes, I'm still here, Vince, yeah. You, is, it my, is it my go on the league yeah, now? Yeah, La Liga, yeah. Right, Vince. Well, uh, let's start off with something that isn't actually La Liga, but it's Spanish football um, to start with. And it just ties in very nicely with what you've just been mentioning, actually, Vince. Um, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago um, about the uh, Spanish female team um, up in arms. They didn't like their trainer, and he was going to have to um, make all sorts of decisions before they played the two friendly matches against the uh, Swiss, Sweden and the USA this week. They actually played a couple of nights ago against the uh, USA, and as far as I was, well, I was watching it because it was Champions League on as well. Spain were actually uh, putting up a good um, a good name for themselves. They were winning 2-0 at one stage against the United States, who are the world champions. So that must have resolved itself. Again, um, it is Spanish football-related, uh, but have you heard about the uh, Ike Casillas podcast? Well, when, um, crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Abs- but he reckoned he was... Absolute madness, yeah. Um, yeah, if I could just briefly cover the um, what... The, the story, right? Um, Ike Casillas, he, well, he's retired now, but he was the um, goalkeeper in the uh, the 2010 World Cup winning side and he was the captain of the Spanish national side. And um, apparently he put a tweet out on, I think it was Sunday, which uh, said, um, I hope everybody respects me, but I have, I've, I've decided to come out as gay. Now, um, Carlos Pujol, who is the uh, ex-Barcelona player, um, a good friend of Ike Casillas um, in their spare time. They're still very good friends now. Actually tweeted back to him, um, well, it's, a, it's about time people can find about all our secrets, Ike, or something like that, with a kiss and a love heart after it. And it turns out that uh, this went viral. It went throughout the whole of the English-speaking world, at least, before it had even got anywhere near the Spanish-speaking world. Um, and Ike Casillas had said that he thinks he's... Uh, Twitter account was hacked. Now, I don't think we're talking about these professional hackers who do bank accounts. We're probably talking about somebody who he knows who's found out his, his login details and thought, let's have a, let's have a joke at Eager's expense or something like that, yeah? Um, but he says he didn't actually do it himself. Um, but Carlos Pujol, um, about his reply, he actually was told that he shouldn't have said that. And he, he replied to his own reply. He said, I'm sorry, I was just having a joke with a friend of mine. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend anybody. If anybody was offended, um, I'm very sorry. And he didn't go into any more detail. That just basically shrugged his shoulders and said, so what? Um, Rob, but you've got all of these commentators internationally making a big deal about it. Rob, throughout the whole world, all the usual suspects. OK, Rob, <laughs> I'm very, very conscious of the fact that we've, we've got very little time now oh, for the right. Premier League. Well, yeah, in that case, La Liga, Vince, not all that much has changed um, since the last time we spoke. Um, we've got we've still got Barcelona at the top and Real Madrid at second. There's actually um, our Liga coming up, or the uh, El Clasico coming up this weekend. It's the first one of the season. It's on Sunday, the 16th of October, and it's quarter past four, Real Madrid against Barcelona. Now, everyone will have to look at their own times for that, because I'm not sure if this is UK time or, or European time. But it's Real Madrid-Barcelona Sunday at uh, quarter past four the first El Clasico of the season, and we've got a full um, fixture list apart from that. So, um, yeah, if we're running a bit short of time, Vince, we've got the usual suspects right at the top. Elche, the local team to me, managed to get a draw at the weekend, um, and they're now on two points. They've got two draws out of eight matches. Sevilla, who... um, not having a good start to the season, played very badly in the Champions League last night and their, their manager got sacked. And now actually in a relegation position, Sevilla are on six points and they're in 18th place. Their manager was um, offered the um, the Wolves job last week and he uh, said that he wasn't interested. So now he's been sacked from Sevilla. We'll have to see if he decides to take on the Wolves job, but he decided he wasn't interested last week. We'll just have to wait and see. Right, thank you, Rob. Uh, so next we go to look at what was happening in the Premier League. And we had Bournemouth uh, playing Leicester as the first game. Uh, I saw it as a 1-2. So did you. It turned out Bournemouth 2, Leicester 1. Yes, it, it did, didn't it, Vince? Um, I'll just get my notes in order, actually, here for the uh, results. But yes, um, Bournemouth... Um, considering that um, they lost their manager after about four matches, didn't they? They got uh, rid of their manager. Yeah. And 
because they knew up everybody and they haven't got a, well, they've been out for a couple of seasons, but everybody wrote them off then. They are actually in the top half of the um, Premier League at the moment. I think they're in eighth or ninth position. So uh, that's good on them. Leicester City, as we know, there's all sorts of problems at Leicester. They've, uh, they won last week, but they, they, it's, it's painful to watch, really, isn't it? Because you know that uh, they could do better, but they don't have the resources. So, yeah, Bournemouth 2, Leicester 1. Chelsea took on Wolves. Uh, I saw a 2-0, you saw a 3-0. The score was 3-0, so you did well with that one. Uh, so, mm-hmm. straightforward. Yeah, really. well, Wolves, Wolves, Wolves are managerless at the moment um, because their um, manager got sacked last weekend and they still haven't got in anybody else, which is why this... Uh, um, Lopetegui is called um, Jerem Lopetegui he might he was offered the, the job last week he might take it this week I don't know the Wolves are managerless at the moment so they're uh, in complete disarray they need somebody to tell them what to do OK then we go next to Man City Southampton just Man City Imperious we both saw it as 4-0 and it was 4-0 I think we can have that more or less as a, a default result against any not possibly not this weekend Vince but uh, as against the also rounds, if you like. I can think we have that as a default result, can't we, this season? Yep. OK. Newcastle 5, Brentford 1. I saw it as only 4-1. You th- you thought 2-0. Uh, so we both got the result right. Mm, um, you, you were, yeah, you, you were seeing it more like it actually panned out, weren't you, Vince? Because we did speak that now Newcastle are playing. They've actually got off their uh, mark, if you like. It's quite late in the season, but they've got all these new signings. It worked well for them the previous match. It worked well for them this time. So, yeah, um, 5-1 to uh, Newcastle. And it'd be very interesting to see Newcastle development throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, They, of course, now with the richest club, we are told. Uh, So that's just before the biggest of their money gets spent because they'll buy their success next. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we go to Brighton at home to Spurs. Sort of a derby, this, really. Um, I saw it as a draw, 2-2. You thought Brighton would win it, 3-2. Brighton nil, Spurs won. Yeah, only one goal in it, Vince. Um, Yeah, I I thought that Brighton, because now they've got this um, new manager in who seems to have stepped into the role um, that Graham Potter left perfectly... Um, I thought playing at home that they would put up a better fight against um, Spurs, but they haven't. And actually, Brighton, because it's so tight at the top, Brighton have actually dropped quite a few positions just after losing that match. And Spurs are doing really, really well. So, uh, yeah, Brighton nil, Spurs won. Next, we go to Crystal Palace, where I just had the feeling that Leeds would have a difficult game. I saw it as a 2-1. You thought 2-2, but then again, you always go with your heart. Um, Sadly, Crystal Palace did win it, 2-1. And, um, you know, I I didn't want Leeds to lose that one, but there we are. What do you think? I didn't want Leeds to lose that one either, Vince. Very disappointed, actually. I I think Leeds went um, up to start with, and then it was 1-1 most of the match. And I was hoping at least for the uh, point from the draw, but Crystal Palace managed to get a goal in, in time added on, and sunk our boat completely. But that is what football's all about, isn't it? And, and Palace took their opportunity. They also need the points. So, um, well, good to Palace. Um, very bad on Leeds. Unfortunately, we are slipping down the table quite quickly. OK, well, let's keep our hopes that uh, that doesn't happen. And we yes. go to uh, West Ham against Fulham. Another big London derby. I saw this as a 2-1. You saw it as a 3-3. West Ham 3, Fulham 1. Yeah, now, this was a good performance, wasn't it, from um, David Moyes uh, West Ham. They are on strange form, aren't they? Considering that Fulham um, are recently promoted and have, they've had quite a steady start to the season. West Ham had a very bad start. Then you had a, a little bit, two or three matches, basically, where they played really well. And then they went back to their old ways. And in this match, they played really well. So, um, at the moment, David Moyes was really, really happy. There were a, a couple of controversial uh, decisions in that match as well, but they went against Fulham. So, uh, David Moyes was quite happy about that as well. OK, we come to the... Um well, daylight robbery. I mean, basically, if uh, Dick Turpin had uh, put a shirt on and turned up for for Arsenal, I think, quite honestly, uh, that would have been uh, another thing that would have been allowed. I mean, quite frankly, I think it's outrageous. I think enough people know that this this is now robbery. It's to do with um, the betting and all sorts of things. I see brown envelopes all over the show with this one. Arsenal 
did get off to a good start against Liverpool, uh, which, by the way, I thought Arsenal would win. So did you. And um, it was 3-2. There was a very quick Arsenal goal. I thought Liverpool actually came back very, very well. Um, Again, uh, the game became very interesting. Some of it was very much... In Arsenal's favour, a lot of it was in Liverpool's favour. Um, we saw that they didn't give the penalty that Liverpool should have had. But then, strangely enough, there was a concocted penalty, as we explained, right near the end. How strange. Did anybody really get a surprise over that one? Because I didn't. Anyway, you were a neutral. What did you think? If it wasn't for that, Vince, um, the well, the dodgy decisions um, going against uh, Liverpool, there were several actually because we uh, had a couple of text messages, didn't we, right after the match, and we both commentated about the refereeing standard being very low. Um, I actually thought the uh, football match itself was very entertaining, but yes, um, it was marred slightly by that uh, penalty right at the end, which we've mentioned already. But um, Thiago, uh, Thiago challenge Gabriel Jesus. It was a weak challenge. There was contact. Um, it, Gabriel Jesus made the most of it and the referee blew up for a penalty. So it really um, took a bit of shine off the match. But I thought, I thought the standard of football was really good. Unfortunately, it didn't do Liverpool any good whatsoever. No, no. Well, it should have been a draw. But uh, but then he, then again, you see, if if you can't get the... Yeah, it, should, it, should have, it should have been a draw, definitely, I would say, Vince. Yeah. Okay, I won't labour the point as we go to uh, Goodison Park. Everton 1, Man United 2. We both thought this would be a draw. Um, Quite honestly, I watched the first half, then something stopped me from seeing the second half. I thought Everton looked really uh, quite a competent team again. Manchester United, don't convince yet. And Ronaldo did what he did. Um, which again is to, mm. sc- to score a very crucial goal. So well done to him. Um, yeah, yes, uh, that was um, Cristiano Ronaldo's 700th goal in competition matches, um, which came 20 years and two days after his first um, goal for Sporting Lisbon, 20 years and two days since his first goal um, in, in official matches. Um, it's one of the uh, reasons why. The, the, Cristiano came on because he needed to. He came on just before half time, and um, the, one of the reasons I'll just get my notes here because I actually made notes on what I thought about this. But um, the player from Casemiro who came over in the last couple of days of the uh, transfer window from Real Madrid, and there was no rumours or anything about it at all. He just decided to change from one day to the next, more or less. I think that was to do with Cristiano in the background because it was Casemiro who set. Cristiano Ronaldo up for his goal because they've been playing together for that long and Casemiro knows exactly where Cristiano's going to be and between the two of them um, it was basically like a Real Madrid goal but yeah Cristiano got his goal and um, it, yeah it was it was a good match I thought and um, Man United deserved to win it I would say. Um, okay, well, of course, Ron Ronaldo goes on to a career in photography um, and catching f- um, cameras. Um, I don't know if you saw the incident, but uh, when he was coming off after, um, he's supposed to be he's supposed to be getting disciplinary challenge, uh, disciplinary um, yeah. procedure about that, isn't he? Uh, about smacking that well, young lad's camera to, out. To, of his to be honest with you, I, I have a bit of sympathy for him because you know I think too many people think you just take a photograph. You should always ask if somebody doesn't. Mind you you know but we've got a we've got a culture now that people think they can take a photograph of anything nottingham forest Mm. were atoned to villa um i and you both thought it would be an away victory in actual fact i thought forest did very well to get a point one one yeah this was a monday night match wasn't it vince and um yeah forest got another point which i was surprised at as well because villa aren't doing particularly well at the moment but uh, Forest are still down at the bottom, but at least they haven't given up. They got they deserved that point out of that match. Okay, now we come to our predictions. So we start on Friday: Brentford versus Brighton. Yeah, Brentford versus Brighton. Um, no, it's, it's Bournemouth. They're going to get down on the coast, so this isn't really a derby match at all, is it? No. But um, I think Brentford playing at home, because Brentford, during the season so far, they've shown some really good football, um, which has surprised quite a lot of people, including myself. Brighton have also done so, but they slipped up last week. So I can actually see Brentford doing this. I can see Brentford doing this 
possibly 2-1. OK, and I see it the other way round. I think Brighton will win by 2-1. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, new manager and uh, people still wanting to impress. They're a good little team, actually, Brighton. They've done very well. Oh, no, they're, they're a solid outfit, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, Brighton are um, a solid outfit this season. Um, now, languishing Leicester against um, Crystal Palace. Mm, going to be an interesting game. Can Leicester get anything out of it? I wouldn't have thought so. I wouldn't have thought so, Vince. This is Saturday lunchtime kickoff. Yes, I think Leicester, Leicester's problems are, are very, very big at the moment, I think. And uh, Crystal Palace, Patrick Vieira, they'll be coming off that uh, last-minute Leeds win, um, full, full of um, optimism. So I think um, Leicester will get beaten on this. I think they'll get a goal, but I think it'll possibly 1-3. OK, I've put it down as a 1-2. Um, <laughs> Flame, they play Bournemouth. Uh, so they haven't got far to travel, but Bournemouth are certainly looking a bit more of a team ever since they had the 9-0 defeat at Tanfield. Whew, OK, what do you think with this one? Yeah, that's, that, they, that losing the manager and having those two bad defeats in a row at the, really at the beginning of the season seems to have done Bournemouth the world of good, doesn't it, actually? Um, but full AM have had a good start to the season. They're playing at home. Um, I think they're looking uh, the best of the three that came up uh, so far this season. I think this could be a draw, actually, Vince. I could say this being a two-all draw, Desmond. No, then I've put exactly the same, 2-2. Two -two. So yeah. we're obviously on the same page with that one. Um, Wolves and Forest is a Midlands derby of sorts. Forest a little bit further down, but, you know, they're still in the Midlands. Um, OK, Wolves need a win. Forest desperate not to lose. What do you think? Well, Wolves are still without a manager, aren't they, Vince? Now, even if they do get this uh, Julian Lopez again or anybody else to manage them in the next couple of days, it, um, the new manager taking over is not going to get very much time with the players before this match, is he? Um, Forest know what they're doing. It's just they um, aren't do they aren't really up to the standard. But I think they might take advantage of the. Uh, of Wolves, Achilles heel. I think Forest, if they're going to do one away win this uh, this season, I think they'll get Wolves. I think they'll do it one two. Okay, now I think it's going to be two one. Um, mm -hmm. As you say, if we get the pack leader in, then obviously the Wolves might uh, get a little bit more organised. But we'll see what happens there as we go to uh, rampant at the moment. Spurs scintillating Spurs against um, Everton. Mm. Mm, now then, Spurs are still right up there at the top, aren't they, Vince? Um, they only won 1-0 last weekend, but it, it, it only takes one goal, doesn't it, to, to win a match. Everton creeping up the table, but they slipped up last week. Um, I don't think Spurs are going to let this get away from them. I think this will be 2-1 to Spurs. 3-1 to Spurs for me, so mm -hmm. we're seeing fairly similar things. Uh, yep. Son and Harry Kane obviously still working well together. We go next to the sun mm. Sunday games and Aston Villa. They dropped two points against Nottingham Forest and Chelsea are looking a good team again. Uh, they're the visitors. What do you think? Yes, now I had to think uh, quite long and hard about this one, Vince, actually, because um, Villa are playing at home, which um, is supposed to be a really difficult ground to play, um, is Villa uh, Park. Um, however, they're, they're not doing very well, are they? And Chelsea are doing well. So I think I think this could be another draw again, Vince, actually. I'll put this down as another 2 all. OK, I put it down as... Um... Aston Villa 1, Chelsea 3, Leeds. Oh, dear, oh dear, Leeds have got another hard game after their, uh, last week's game. Along come Arsenal. Ooh. Where are you going mm. with this one? Well, Vince, I'm, I'm not going to um, go against Leeds in any match throughout the whole season. I might take a draw on this one, though, like I did last week and got it wrong. It's going to be very difficult. Arsenal looking really good at the moment, aren't they? Um, I'll hope for a one-all draw, Vince. OK. Do you want the bad news? Go on, then. Uh, Leeds nil, Arsenal four. Sorry about that. I do think they... I think your uh, judgment is probably more accurate than mine, Vince. Well, yeah, but... Let's hope not. 
You've got your heart in the way there, unfortunately, Rob. Um, Now, good game at um, Old Trafford. Um, Manchester United playing Newcastle. Okay, what do you think? Mm, Now, Newcastle, now they've started playing, now they're actually turning up to play, they've got an interesting team, haven't they? Um, Man United are actually quite good. They're actually having a better season than you'd uh, think at the moment, really. But that Again, I'm, I'm stuck with a draw on this one, Vince, but uh, I'm going to put a win around. I'm going to put it in as a, a 2-1 to Man United. OK, that's interesting because I see it the other way around. I think United will lose this one 2-3. Uh, yes, I didn't make me... I've just made my um, prediction on that one now because I didn't. I, I wasn't sure. So uh, that's my prediction on the spur of the moment. OK, uh, Southampton, they are taking on West Ham. Now then, Southampton at home, they, they're a bit wishy-washy most of the time. Um, but on the road, they do tend to come up with some good results. West Ham, on the other hand, they uh, are beginning to strengthen again. So, uh, good game. What do you think? Yes, it is. And if uh, Ralph Hassan Hootle isn't uh, missing his spaghetti or whatever they do it down at Southampton these days... Um, they, they, they are a very, they, yeah, they, a very they, difficult team to predict out this Southampton, and they are very, they aren't very predictable at home. Um, this one again is something I think it could go either way, but um, I'll put it down in Southampton's favour. I'll put it down as two-one to Southampton, Vince. Okay, uh, they, they might have found out how many uh, revolutions of a windmill it takes to charge up an electric car battery by that time. Um, yeah, all right. So what have you got for that, Vince? Just out. Um, I've got a two-two draw. So I'll try. Yeah. Okay. So now we come to the big one: Liverpool playing at Anfield, playing the nemesis, of course, Man City. Uh, big, big game. Up till last night, um, I really feared for a trouncing. I still think it's going to be a very tough game. What do you think for the score, please? Oh, right. Uh, this is going to be a tough game, isn't it, For uh, especially for Liverpool. I can't see them doing it, to be honest, Vince. I can see them possibly, possibly getting one goal in, but I think it's going to be 1-3 to City, unfortunately. OK. Uh, well, I... What did, you, what did you put down? Oh, you haven't told us yet, Nan. Yeah, before before last night's game, I was going to go for a 1-4. Mm. But, but Salah, Nunes, um, they're bringing another little bit of a, a dimension to this game. Mm, didn't, didn't Salah score the fastest hat-trick in um, Champions, Champions League, League yeah. history or something? Yeah, I mean, the, the yeah. thing is, he's back with a, a vengeance. If he gets mm. a little twinkle going, and if Nunes actually nah. gets stuck in, I, I can see this being 3-4, I think. 3-4, right. Could be a good, could be a big scorer, couldn't it? Mm. Um, something that put me off Liverpool last night, Vince, is when I, when I came in after watching the Barcelona match, um, I put on Talk Sport um, because I sometimes listen to that, and there was um, a, a, a guy who is involved with the Rangers, he was a Scottish guy, talking about Rangers he faced against uh, Liverpool last night. Yeah. And they've got lots of problems themselves, the Rangers, which don't concern us. But basically, what his what his attitude was was um, Liverpool were just passing it. It was like a five-a-side match between teenagers. Liverpool were just passing it about when they saw a, a gap in the defence, they just poked it in and it went in the goal. So he didn't really rate Liverpool's performance as that good. He rated Rangers' performance as being particularly bad. But um, we'll just have to wait and see. But Man City, as we as you know, um, basically rested up some of their players against Copenhagen in the uh, Premier League earlier on this week and got a nil-nil draw away at Copenhagen. But they had um, Phil Foden and Howland sitting on the bench, and uh, Pep was quite happy to take the draw. The Copenhagen fans went along in mass basically just to see Man City. They were all disappointed not to see Howland actually on the pitch, but to see him sitting on the bench is something, isn't it? But uh, yeah, I think City have got this. I think they've got this season sewn up, Vince, but they. Too early to say, but I think they've got this match as well. Yeah. Well, as I say, I. I would have gone for 1-4, but maybe 3-4. But apparently, Prosegur, um, they have decided to have the whole of the car park for the delivery vans delivering all their wages. Uh, so, that's... Uh... 
that's the big news from Anfield this week. Okay, Rob. Um, lots to talk about. Uh, obviously, big games at the weekend. That big game, uh, the last game of the weekend, apparently. So um, yes, uh, we've got El Clasico on the Sunday afternoon, and we've also got Liverpool Man City on a Sunday afternoon. So if they, and I think they'll be playing. Liverpool Man City just slightly after. If you in the if you've got luxury of watching both matches, which I should have, um, because I go to a place where you can watch Premier League and La Liga, we've got some fantastic football all weekend. But we've got fantastic football on a Sunday. Brilliant. Okay, Rob. Thanks very much indeed. Catch you next week. My pleasure, always, Vince.